Good afternoon. Welcome to BibleTruthProject.com. My name is Matt Weaver. Here with another episode, we're going to discuss um, this afternoon kind of a reiteration, I guess, a little bit of some uh, stuff I did several years ago in studying about the Lost Tribes and kind of God's plan for this. I've had more time and uh, done a lot more research on this whole subject, so I thought I'd bring um, bring everyone up to speed a little bit upon just kind of what I've uncovered and discovered, etc. Now, what I what I remembering back, of course, it's been several years ago, but as I remember back, um, basically what I understand, you know, I was giving you just some of the the verses and how to deal with the verses. What what do we do with this? You know, what what do we do about uh, God telling Abraham that he would be the father of many nations? Nations is plural. It doesn't mean that it's uh, just one nation, that he would be the father of many nations, and that those many nations composed of, of many different things. Go down the line, Isaac uh, and Jacob as well. Uh, Jacob laying the hand on, or crossing his hands on the sons of Joseph, uh, telling Ephraim that he would be many nations. Um, could that be successive nations? Uh, what, I, what does that all mean? I don't know. I'm not saying I'm an expert. All I know is that it does mention it. If it mentions it, it must mean something. Um, continue and fast forward into the days of Israel. Uh, you have uh, basically um, the divide of the kingdom take place after the days of Solomon. And uh, the prophecies regarding the king of David coming to restore the tabernacle, David's fallen sukkah. If you know the history of Israel, you'll know that David was the, only, was the first king to actually unify the tribes into one kingdom. So it's important to remember that you know the promises, especially in Amos there, about God restoring the tabernacle of David is a prophetic picture of bringing everything back together, bringing the tribes back together. And uh, many other prophecies. I mean, Hosea, Hosea is directed towards the northern tribes and he prophesies basically in the pattern of his wife. He marries an adulterer or marries a prostitute to begin with. And she, of course, goes back into prostitution and he goes and buys her back. So that's the picture that God was going to do with, with the Assyrian captives. And I guess I would just raise this question. I'm not saying that... Um, some people, I guess, today in today's world are declaring themselves to be Ephraimite nations and saying that they're same as Jews and the status of, you know, of God and all that. My end game isn't that. My end game in this is not really self-declaration, uh, like to say that I somehow am more special or whatever. As you'll see as I read, uh, it has nothing to do with that. It's, look, all of us are saved by faith in Messiah Jesus, Jesus uh, or Yeshua. It's, it's faith in him. It's not, it's not what your lineage was or what you would become, but it's part of the prophetic picture that God is going to gather his people from the nations. And of course, Jews are starting to go back to Israel. But by and large, the majority of the Jewish people today um, are descendants of the, Ju the kingdom of Judah. And of course, there were different tribes represented in the kingdom. I'm not going to say today that they were just... Uh, from the tribe of Judah, but predominantly they would have been from predominantly from Judah. But I mean, I mean I'm just, yeah, the, the, the nation of Judah uh, was predominantly made up of Jews. Or yeah, uh, yeah, Udaioi, I believe in Greek, of 
course, in Hebrew, uh, Yehuda. But basically, you had other tribes flee to the south during the Assyrian War, uh, in the north, etc. But the nations that were carried off into captivity, I guess I would pose that question. What happened to them, and do the prophecies uh, speak about them? And what do the prophecies speak? Does Is God going to regather them like he promised? Or is it simply just the representation of those who are in dispersed Judah? Uh, the You know, those are the ones. That's it. So those are things we have to wrestle with. I'm not saying that I know the answer. I'm not saying that uh, I have a dogmatic position. It's just questions we have to ask ourselves. If we believe... The Bible, if we believe God is, is going to keep his word, then he is obviously up to something. And uh, as we're going to read here in Ezekiel, I was going to focus on Ezekiel today just because I think it's important that we understand the context here. This is one of the great pictures, I think, that, that God does in his regathering. So in Ezekiel 36, we're going to start in uh, verse 22. And we might read a few chapters here. But... Ezekiel's going through many chapters of despair, despairing what's happening to Israel, despairing what's happening to Judah, and, uh, you know, what's going to take place and whatever. I mean, actually, we're going to step back just to two lines, verse 20. Wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, since it was said about them, these are the people of the Lord, or Adonai. Yet they have... They had to leave his land, uh, but I concern. I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus saith Adonai Elohim, I do not do this for your sake, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations wherever you went. So right there we have this verse that gives us this backdrop. Listen, God's not doing this because of righteousness, uh, that they were so good, he's just doing it for his name's sake. He's doing it because he's concerned about his own name. Verse 23, I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am the Lord, Adonai. And it is, dec it is a declaration of the Lord. When I am sanctified in you before your eyes, for I will take you from the nations. Here's the sign. I will take you from the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and will bring you back to your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the stony heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and then I will cause you to walk in my laws. So you will keep my rulings and do them. Then you will live in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God." We're going to stop there for a moment. So we got a section of verses there dealing with the reality of Israel. And this is speaking to the dispersed of Judah and the dispersed of Israel, both as just being the whole house of Israel. So God is promising that he's going to do this not for their sakes, but for his own name's sake. So this is, God is doing this. So we can't, how would I say this? So we, we, we can't brag. Say, for instance, we have Jewish descent. It's not in that, okay? God's not going to do it because we deserved it somehow that we are special in that side. No, he's doing it for his namesake because the covenant at this point had been broken. That goes to for us as well. As as believers in Yeshua, Gentiles, outsiders who believe in Jesus, look, it's by his grace that we are saved. It's not that we can do anything that impresses God. 
So verses, uh, verse 29. So I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call you, or I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. So it's an increase of the land. I will not bring famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field, so that you will no longer bear the disgrace of famine among the nations. When you remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, you will be disgusted with yourselves because of the iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sakes will I do this. Here it comes again. It is a declaration of the Lord. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded in your ways, house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. In in the day that I pronounce you clean from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the ruins to be rebuilt. The land that was desolate will be tilled instead of being a wasteland in the sight of all that pass by. They will say, this land that was a wasteland has become like the Garden of Eden. The waste, desolate, ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt in the ruined places and replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, so I will do it. Thus saith the Lord Elohim, Adonai Elohim, I will again be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will populate them with the people like the flock. Like the holy flock, like the flock of Jerusalem during her um, modim. So the way cities will be filled with the flocks of people and they will know that I am the Lord. So in this whole picture, you can see this restoration narrative. But there's a fundamental change in that. And then we come to the next chapter, the famous chapter of 37. So just laying the foundation coming into verse uh, or chapter 37. So verse 1, And the hand of the Lord Adonai was upon me. The Spirit of the Lord carried me out and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. Behold, there were very many on the floor of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, Lord, you know. Prophesy over these bones. He said to me, Say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, To these bones, behold, I will cause spirit, wind, breath, to enter you, so you will live. Okay, where is ruach? But that just means like breath. I will attach tendons to you, bring flesh on you, and cover you with skin, that I will put breath in you. You will live, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied just as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, an earthquake. Then the bones came together, bone to its bone. I saw, and behold, there were tendons on it. Flesh came on the skin, covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the spirit, or the wind. Prophesy, son of man, say to the ruach, or the spirit. Thus saith the Lord, come from the four winds, ruach. Breathe upon the slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, just as he commanded, the spirit. Ruach came into them, and they lived. They stood upon their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are cut off by ourselves. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I open your graves, I will bring you up out of your graves, my people. I will bring you back. So what are the graves that he's speaking of? The dispersion. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and brought you up out of the graves, my people. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, that have done it. It is a declaration of the Lord. So the regathering of Israel is the central theme in this restoration narrative. Now, a lot of people stop there and they shouldn't. They should continue 
because in this next section is where this whole um, this whole controversy begins, if I can say it this way. So people avoid it because it does bring some controversy. Verses 15, the word of Adonai came to me saying, You, son of man, take one stick and write on it for Judah, for the house of Israel joined with him. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel joined with him. So it's talking about this, the separate parties. Join them one to another for yourself was one stick, so they may become one in your hand. When the children of your people speak to you, saying, Won't you tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus saith the Lord Elohim, Adonai Elohim, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel joined with him, and I will put them together with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick. They will be one in my hand. The sticks that you write on will be in your hand before the, before their eyes. They then say to them, Thus saith the, the, the Adonai Elohim, the Lord um, the Lord God, okay. Behold, I will take Benai Israel, Jonah of Israel, from among the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king will be king to them all. This is the restoration of the Davidic uh, kingdom. They will no longer be two nations and never again be divided into two kingdoms. They will never again be defiled with their idols, their detestable things, or with any of the transgressions. I will save them out of all of their dwellings which they have sinned. They, I will purify them, they will be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them. They will all have one shepherd. They will walk in my ordinances and observe my rulings and do them. Notice... This doesn't come together until the Lord physically brings them back and establishes a king in their midst. This is this is this is part. Uh, this is the subject of the book I'm I've been working on for some time and research and trying to research and I've kind of summarized everything leading to this section to these promises. So this is like the cornerstone of God's promises to Israel is that He will be the God who regathers them. And leads them like he used to. This is the cornerstone uh, of this whole salvation narrative. Of course, the Gentiles or us are attached to that picture. Of course, we come, you know, Jesus tore down the wall of partition. So we're one in, in spirit. But he's physically going to bring back Israel. Now, it doesn't say every last person that ever lived. But the divided, the dispersed will come back. Not just Jews. All of Israel, the Assyrian dispersion and the Babylonian dispersion in its fullness. See, currently you have about seven or eight million Jews living in Israel. There's estimated to be 20 some odd million Jews living worldwide. Approximately seven million of them live in the U.S. This is a time when all of Israel that survives the war, uh, that survives that conflict, will be gathered into Jerusalem. And in that day... There's going to be two sticks, which is the, div the division that exists between the, the Assyrian captives or the northern tribes and the other captives. There's a division, and he will make them one in their hand. So they're kind of like two different threads, if you will, two different sticks, and he brings them together. Now, that's not the end of it. So again, David or the son of David will be king over them. They'll have one shepherd. So Jesus is going to be that shepherd. He's going to restore that fallen sukkah.
Now, verses, let's see here, 25. They will live in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your ancestors lived. They will live there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David will be their prince forever. I will cut a covenant of shalom with them. It'll be an everlasting covenant with them. This is the new covenant. And I will give... I will give to them and multiply them. I will set up my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be over them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. So it's at this moment that God sets up this show and tell demonstration. It's at that moment that the nations, when this ingathering takes place, it's at that moment that the nations will know that it's the Lord who separated, okay? Sanctified is to saint, to make saintly. He is the one who separated and, and sanctified Israel. It's when his sanctuary is in the midst forever. This is the millennial reign, when the nations will see that God is faithful to this promise. And then if you go into the next chapter, you immediately it's talking about this war, this conflict that takes place of Gog Magog, Gog Magog. And uh, basically, it is this final conflict that brings back the Lord. And I'm just trying to scan through some verses here to see if I can... Uh, yeah, so in this final conflict, let's go to 30, uh, Ezekiel 39 verses 11. We'll just read a couple of verses. But it's just, at the end of it, it's describing... Um, this great conflict that's ended. And on that day, I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of the travelers east of the sea. It will block those who travel through since they will bury Gog and all his multitude there. And then they will call it the valley of Hamon Gog. The house of Israel will bury them for seven months in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them. It will be a memorial for them. A day when I am glorified, it is the declaration of the Lord. Men will be continually set apart to travel through the land and bury the travelers remaining on the face of the land in order to cleanse it. And at the end of seven months, they will make their search. When they travel through the land, if anyone sees bones, it will set up a sign by it until the buriers have buried it in the valley of Hamon Gog. Anyway, keep saying here, and then there's this kind of metaphor language for the great feast and that it's ezekiel in, uh, in 17 it says you son of man thus saith the lord elohim uh, say to every kind of burden to every beast of the field assemble and come gather from all around to my sacrificial feast that i've prepared for you, a great sacrifice on the mountains of israel you will eat flesh and drink blood you'll eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of the princes of the earth as ram lamb goats bull uh, goats bulls all of them fatlings of basham so you will, which is the enemies of God. You will, you will eat fat until you are gorged and you will drink blood until you're drunk from my, fac, my sacrificial feast that I've prepared. You will be filled at my table with horses and horsemen, with mighty men and warriors. It is a declaration of the Lord. I will put my glory among the nations. All the nations will see my judgment that I execute in my hand that I lay on them. The house of Israel will know that I am the Lord God from that day onward. That day, this is the dreadful day of the Lord. Skip forward a little bit, and you're, you'll see uh, 39 verses 25. Therefore, thus says Adonai, Adonai Elohim, now I will restore Jacob from exile. Notice it's at the end of that conflict that he restores Jacob from exile. 
So those gathered in Israel aren't the fullness of the exile. This is the whole house, okay? Keep reading. When I have compassion on the whole house of Israel, I will be zealous for my holy name. They will bear their shame and all their disloyalty by which they broke faith with me. When they were living securely in their land with no one making them afraid. When I have brought them back from the peoples and have gathered them out of their enemies' lands, I will be sanctified in them. I will be sanctified in them in the eyes of many nations. They, then they will know that I am the Lord their God, since it was I who caused them to go into exile among the nations, and I who will gather them back into their land. I will never again leave them there. I will never again hide my face from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel as a declaration of the Lord. And I could just go on and on and on. Talks about the new temple in the Messianic era, uh, the inner, the outer. Uh, it goes into a lot of detail about that. And then the glory of the Lord that fills the temple. Um, talks about the altar. Let me see if there's anything else more interesting. Let me just see here. Talks about some offerings. Some people will say, how in the world can there be offerings when Jesus comes back because he is the offering? I don't know that the offerings will be for atonement. It may just be Thanksgiving offerings, things that we bring to the Lord in Thanksgiving. Um, it could easily be that it's just a, it's just a, you know, thank, free will offerings, not necessarily sin offerings. Um, that's kind of the gist, I think. But basically... Uh, then at that point, he will give that inheritance to to the tribes as he has established and they'll reign and rule with him. There's a division of the land according to the 12 tribes. Um, basically, yeah, repeat of Davidic, the Davidic kingdom. All the other prophets speak about this time. Uh, Hosea does, uh, Amos does, uh, Habakkuk about the, you know, the, the procession that's coming in, Zechariah does of his return. Uh, all of these things is speaking about the same event. And so why do I guess, I guess, why do I bring this up? Because it's, it's the cornerstone, it's the corner, it's the central, most magnificent thing that God will do is not, not to just to deliver Israel, but to gather them. He is going to be known as the God. Let me just find that verse. There's a reference. Um, I should have had this stuff ready before, but I didn't. As Let me just do a quick search here. Happened. Search out of the nation. Sorry, it's been. I should just cut this out, but I'm trying to gather this. Uh, yeah, in Revelation 28, there you see the Gog Magog war again. He shall come out to see the nations of the four corners. Gog Magog. This is the second battle in which we enter the eternal state. Um, to the land. Let's see, cut it down. People are going to come out. Let's 
see Jeremiah, nation's will no longer stream to it. Yes, while Babylon has fallen. I'd have to search a little bit, but basically there's a, it might be in Amos, there's a, there's a phrase that in that day, he'll no longer be known as the God who brought Israel out of the land of Egypt, but is, he'll be known as the God who brought Israel out of the nations. Um, it's a beautiful promise because, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful promise. But this is, it's just, it's, it's, I guess on this whole theme, I mean, I know that today there's a, there's a growing movement. You have the black Hebrew Israelites uh, claiming to be the true Israel. You have uh, this whole other movement in, in Christians today, or Christendom, called the two house theory or the, the house of Ephraim movement. And it's even though then there was British Israelism, uh, when, when people thought that the Brits had this had, and I've studied in depth, I've, I've studied fairly intensively on that subject. And I would say that there's maybe some truth to it. I don't know how much, but in their legends, they, they would carry traditions that they are, um, descendants of the lost tribes that the celtic peoples um not just great britain and england but the celt the celts the anglos um many of those those um kind of celtic tribes uh, would have come from um you know would have been scythian culture before that would have come out of the baltic steppes and before that they would have been is israel there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. I'm not claiming to know that truth because I didn't live through it. Okay, like anything else, you're going to have differences of opinion. But I do just have to pose the question. Is the northern ten tribes composed of the bulk of the population of Israel? And when the Assyrians took them into exile, God promised that he would bring them back. This is, this is over 100 years before Judah was taken out of the south for a 70-year exile in Babylon. So you're literally you're you're literally looking at a uh, several thousand year exile, and uh, the question remains: Has God forgotten? Has God not going to keep His promises with the northern tribes? Is He simply just going to fulfill it in the southern southern tribes? Because uh, the the nation of Judah composed several tribes. It composed, uh, generally speaking, it composed Benjamin. And Judah, and of course, Levites would have been spread through it, but Levites would have been the north as well. But Benjamin and Judah, there was some of Simeon, there was also um, some of the other tribes represented. But you just have to ask yourself this question, is God going to be faithful to bringing back the Assyrian exiles from the nations that he scattered them? There's one thing to be said, that the Jews, or Judah, they retained their identity. They retained it. It was, it was prophesied for the Assyrian exiles that they would not. They would be dispersed into the nations and they would forget who they even were. And it would be in the wilderness experience that God would court them and to, to bring them back uh, to himself. Um, I have a lot of verses for that. I just don't have time in one session to get into it. Uh, the other sessions I had done several years ago, I may have brought up some of those verses. So what does this mean? At the end of the day, it's probably not that important for the average believer because we're not held secure in a lineage. We're held secure by faith in Jesus. Uh, and I think it's extremely important to retain that. The difference in 
a lot of these other groups is they claim that, well, a lot of modern-day Jews are just converts from the Khazar kingdom, and which is true. There are some Khazar converts amongst them, but to say that they're all just converts is ridiculous. That's It's nonsense. But there's a lot of different variations. I even saw some legitimate research done recently in genetics that they found that they're estimating 25% of Latin America is... Uh, has Jewish ancestry because of there were the amount of families that were forced converted in Spain that went to the New World to escape persecution. They're estimating 25% of Latin, Latin America has Jewish ancestry. That's just Jewish, okay? And I think the the strongest argument for this whole thing is if you if you think of it this way, the that Abraham lived early enough in human history. That, his, that he would have been a contemporary of the founder of the Chinese people. And if you consider how many billions of people have traced DNA from, uh, from China. I mean, my wife is Central American, Native American. And with that, you have traced, or she, not, I shouldn't say the whole, she's, she's half. So her, her father was from Central America. And her mother was uh, from Indiana, but originally it would have been Western European. But she has trace elements of Asia from that. Most Central Americans do have trace elements of Asia. So she literally is a descendant in some ways of Asia. Surprisingly enough, she's also a couple percent uh, Jewish in there. Um, I had about one percent Jewish that picked up. And we found the family in the 1250s. There was a not directly through my father's line, but there was a through grandmother's line. But that's all besides the point. There's endless genealogies and you get wrapped up in it. It's not the point. God is going to do this as a miracle for his own sake, not for our sake. It's for his own sake, for his own glory. And it's to, it's to prove to the world that he is the Lord who keeps his promises. And that's the central theme um, that I am working on and trying to write out the scriptural evidence for that so people can see that in all this eschatology and all this end times and all this Jesus coming back, the central theme of his return is to regather the exiles. That is, that is the whole uh, notion is to this regathering us as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my view. So anyway, I thought this uh, was a great opportunity just to update you. It's been too long since I've last done this. I've, um, but it's food for thought for you. You can think about the implications of this. I am planning to, Lord willing, travel to Israel in November. And um, again, a small uh, group with that will we'll have a great time over there. Uh, it'll be my sixth trip, which the Lord has been very, th very gracious to me to allow me to go this many times. <coughs> Excuse me. I know a lot of people would be a dream just to go once. Uh, for me to just uh, be able to go this many times, I think is a tremendous blessing. But I also feel a responsibility that God is also wanting me uh, to research and study and to look into some of these things that seemingly everybody's ignoring. Um, not saying that I'm special. I just noticed that there's a lot of people that don't really focus on this. They're more concerned with just yeah, I don't know. They're not really concerned on it. I don't know how else to say it. So and that's fine. Um, Jesus never said that this is the primary focus for us to have to focus on. But for him, it was a huge part and a huge theme 
Um, so anyway, blessings to you all, and I will update hopefully sooner than later uh, here in the next few weeks. God bless.